You're listening to Weekly Devotions with Pastor James, a podcast devoted to helping you with your walk with Jesus. We do this by looking at the scriptures through devotions and messages every week. For more information, you can find us at gardeningthewell.com and would love for you to connect with us over there. Uh, You can visit our blog, you can visit our bookstore, and you can connect with us and shoot us some feedback. Send us questions, maybe something you'd like to hear an episode on. And with that said, uh, let's jump into it today. Uh, hopefully you have your Bibles this morning. If not, there should be a blue one right around you somewhere. And if you take that and open up to Exodus chapter 5 this morning, uh, as we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 5, uh, we're going to read it as uh, we go through this morning. And so as you're turning to Exodus 5, uh, let's start off with a word of prayer. Father God, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, hopefully as we've seen so far, uh, we may look at the book of Exodus and go, why are we looking at such an old book? But your word is timeless. Your word always is relevant for our world and for our lives. Unfortunately, we just don't think that it is. And Father, this morning we come to a section where we may read through and not just see much in it, but you show us a whole lot. And so I pray that you be with us this morning, Lord God. Pray that you would work within our hearts and our lives, and I pray that you'd use me just to teach your word. And I pray that you'd strengthen us. I pray that you'd convict us, Lord. Whatever it is that we need as individuals and as your church, I pray that you would shape us and make us more into your image, Jesus. That we may be imitators of God, not of the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. It's really good to see you. Uh, I've had a lot of energy yesterday and today, so I don't know why that is. So you might be here for a while. So I'll just throw that out to you. Uh, Nobody laughed on that. That was a joke, but hopefully you're all doing well uh, today. Last week, I mentioned to you about my grades in high school and then in college. And I appreciate nobody asking me, like, what were your grades actually in high school? I really appreciate that, that nobody asked me. I didn't have to tell you any of that. But uh, I also mentioned to you last Last week that I took a um, basic statistics class in college. When I went to Bloomsburg, uh, I graduated one college with a two-year degree, and then I transferred down to Bloomsburg to finish out my bachelor's uh, in psychology. And uh, uh, I was taking basic statistics, which they told me was a it was a mandatory class for psychology. I don't know how <clears throat> a math class is mandatory for psychology. Like I wasn't going to be doing math with anybody, trust me. But they told me you have to take it. So I took basic statistics, and honestly, I will tell you, I failed that class. Right? I, I failed it. Uh, it wasn't because I, I didn't try. I commuted back and forth to Bloomsburg every single day. I only missed one class, and that's because my alternator died on Route 80. Uh, I did all the work. I talked to the teacher. I tried. I was the only one in the class that participated. So I could honestly say that I really did try to pass that class, but it just didn't happen. I failed the class. And then you know what Bloomsburg did to me? They said, you can't come back. I had a B average or higher in every other class that I took. I graduated the other college with a B average or higher, and they go, based on your other grades, we don't think you could pull that up, and so we're putting you on academic probation for one year. So I failed one class, and they told me I couldn't come back. I'm like, well, what's up with that? You know, that wasn't in the plans, I didn't have a plan of like failing one class and then the school telling me not to, that I couldn't come back. Because my plan was to graduate in a year and a half, two years, marry Amy, and get a job. That was the plan. 
Have you ever been there before? You have a plan and it quite doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to be. And so I sat there with a broken plan. I had a plan, but now it was broken. It was literally shattered. And so you see, I had broken plans, and you've all been there in your life, where you've had plans and they've been broken. But what you may not actually know about that story is this, that it, God used that for Amy and I to get married sooner. God used me not being able to go back to Bloomsburg to actually get me into the ministry. You see, if I hadn't failed the class at Bloomsburg, I would not be your pastor. Some of you may go, well, that's a good thing, right? Maybe, you know, that's up to the Lord, right? But it wouldn't have happened. What I thought was a broken plan was not. And you see, many times what you think is a broken plan is actually God's best plan. And you need to realize that in your life. And we see this throughout Scripture where it seems like everything is broken, that something is broken or something is off, that it's not right. And because of that, we end up struggling. A couple examples for you. Noah. What did Noah do in the Bible? He built the ark, right? We all know Noah built the ark, but do you remember and realize that Noah actually preached for 120 years? He preached for 120 years telling people, hey, I'm building this boat because God's wrath is going to come and you need to get on the boat to save yourselves. How many people listened and responded to Noah's preaching over 120 years? Zero. The only people that got on the boat were his family. That's it. Nobody responded to him. How do you think he felt after 120 years of preaching? What about Abraham? Lord, you, you made this promise to me that I was going to have a son and, and from him all these descendants and year after year after year, no child to the point where it goes, well, I'm old, my wife is old, there's no way we can have a baby. God, what are you doing? You, you gave us this plan and it's not coming through. And once again, it, it's a broken plan. What about Elijah the prophet? He went and he spoke and he preached what God wanted him to do. And he did some really strange things. God asked him to do some really weird things. If you read it in the Bible, right? Just lay on your side all day long for like a year. Why, God? It's because of what I'm asking you to do. And Elijah did everything that God wanted him to do. But you know what happened with Elijah? It got to the point where people constantly tried killing him. So how would you feel like you're obeying God, but yet everybody's trying to kill you. And it got to the point where Elijah ran off and he goes, God, just kill me. He goes, I'm the only one left that believes in you, that trusts you, that knows you. He goes, this, this is not working out. And God goes, you're not the only one, Elijah. I got you. Well, then what about Jeremiah? He was called by God to be a prophet. God told him, Jeremiah, tell everybody what I'm telling you. You're going to build up and destroy nations. So Jeremiah obedience. And he told everybody what God wanted him to say. But you know what happened to him? He got beat up all the time. He got ar arrested. He was even thrown in a well once. Oh, and then he was taken off into captivity with the rest of the nation of Israel. Huh. God didn't tell me that was going to happen. Or what about Peter in the New Testament? Peter's like, oh, the Messiah is here. Everything's going to go wonderful. and Everything's going to go great. And then Jesus goes, Peter, you know one day somebody's going to take you by your hand and, and lead you off to your death. And what Jesus told Peter is, Peter, guess what? You're, you're going to die and you're going to be crucified. 
Peter's like, well, that wasn't in my plans. Not in my plans at all. You see, plans don't always go the way we want them to. Things come up. Things go south. Things don't work out. And in that, we sit there and we struggle. Depending on the situation, you're filled with hurt. You're filled with pain. Maybe you're filled with anger. Maybe just confusion. Just don't know what's going on. Maybe depression. Maybe discouragement. Maybe you're just dejected. And all the other emotions that you felt when your plans have been broken. And we sit there and we wonder why. Why didn't this work out? Why didn't things go the way that I, I, I wanted them to go? Why does this have to happen to me? Have you ever felt like you're like, why does this always happen to me? Like, it doesn't seem like these things happen to anybody else. I believe that most people understand that life is not always going to go smooth, but that things are going to come and be hard and difficult. I think most people understand that. What I think we struggle with in those times is the question of why. Why are these things happening? Why is there a struggle? Why is this taking place? Why is that taking place? Because if we knew the why, maybe we'd be able to walk through it a little bit better. Well, that's where we find ourselves in Exodus chapter 5 this morning. You see, the plan seems to be broken, and everyone is struggling. Get that. Moses is struggling. The nation of Israel is struggling. Everybody is struggling. And what we actually see in this chapter is this. Four things why, that tell us why struggles actually come into your life. If you want to know why you might be struggling right now, the answer may be in Exodus chapter 5. Because God gives us a picture of here's why struggles arise. Here's why difficulties come in your life. And then when we know that, then we can respond properly. And so the first thing we see here is this. The man behind the curtain. They're going to be verses 1 through 9. So I'm going to read to you Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. It says, Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go, so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you are stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That is why they are crying out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the men so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies." Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that most of you have seen The Wizard of Oz. Am I good on that? Right? Anybody not seen The Wizard of Oz? Okay, good. Most of us know the, uh, the story The Wizard of Oz, right? Uh, the second movie is a little bit weird, but that's a d different conversation, right? And so you understand the idea of the phrase, the man behind the curtain, right? We understand that because, because of the movie The Wizard of Oz. There's a man behind the curtain here in Exodus. And what do you want? No, no, no. It's, it's off. It's off. It's off. 
Is it on now? Hello? Is the podium mic on? Can you hear me? Okay, good. I'll just yell. Um, both, both mics should be on. So, anyways, um, where we were. Last week, we left Moses on a high note. If you look at the end of chapter 4, Moses gets back to Israel. And he tells them everything, and they believe in him. And, that, and what we saw last week is that the people... God knows me, and they worship God. And so you think that's a high note. Everybody and everything is going really well. And then we come to chapter 5, and we read that Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh, and they said to him, Pharaoh, this is what God says. And I know maybe some of you have been waiting for it, and so if you need to get it out of your system, you could say it with me. And so what does Moses and Aaron say to Pharaoh that God says? Let my... Okay, see, some of you needed to get that out. You've been waiting for a couple weeks, right? Let my people go. And so Moses and Aaron are in front of Pharaoh, and they go, God says, let his people go. We want to go on a three-day journey. And what they're doing is they're just testing the waters with Pharaoh. Will he even let us go on a three-day journey, right? So it's really just testing the waters to see where Pharaoh is at. Well, Pharaoh comes back, and he goes, I don't know who God is. I don't know who your God is, so I'm not going to let you go. Now on that, is Pharaoh being defiant? Yeah. But he's also telling the truth to a certain degree. Most likely, the Pharaoh of Egypt did not know who the God of the Hebrews were. He didn't care about him. He's never heard about him. He's never done a study on him or anything along these lines. Because you have to remember, the Pharaoh had everybody look upon him as he was a god. Pharaohs were worshipped as gods. They were looked upon as deity. And so he doesn't care about another god. He only looks upon himself as god. And so he goes, I don't know him, so why should I listen to him? You're not going anywhere. And at this, Pharaoh is not very happy. He tells Moses that he's causing the people not to work he goes, Moses, you know, you're causing the people not to work in the land. And so in verse 6 and on, he tells his slave drivers, you know what you need to do? You need to tell the slaves of the Israelites that we're not going to give them straw anymore for their bricks, that they have to go out and get the straw for themselves. You go, What's the big deal about that? Well, the straw actually made the bricks stronger. That when you put the straw in there, it kind of like helped tighten everything together. And so the Egyptians had always produce the straw for the, 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 uh, the Israelites, and the Israelites would make the bricks. But now Pharaoh's like, nope, they need to produce the same number of bricks, but now they have to do more work. They have to go get the straw, bring it back, and then make the bricks. But their quota has to stay the same. They have to be making the same number of bricks. And then verse 9, Pharaoh tells him, you know what? Just make their work harder so they don't pay any attention to lies or false words. So let me ask you a question. If you're the nation of Israel, the deliverer just showed up, God said he had a concern for you, and that he was going to deliver you, and then everything went harder and got more difficult, would you be happy? Most likely not. God, you said you were going to get out of, get out of 
get us out of here. And now you're making things harder. God, why are things getting harder? Lord, I, I, I thought you were working. God, I know you've been there. But where are you now? And this is where you need to see the man behind the curtain. You see, in Scripture, Pharaoh is used as a picture, a type, a foreshadow, an analogy, if you would, of someone else. And that someone else is Satan. You see, Satan's the man behind the curtain. You see, both Satan and Pharaoh thought of themselves as God. Both Satan and Pharaoh wanted people to worship them. Both of them only think of themselves. Both of them are filled with pride. And both of them attack God's people. And so Pharaoh gives you and I an idea, a picture of Satan and what he is like. Now, I want you to get this. The nation of Israel is trying to obey God, are they not? God comes and goes, we're going to, I'm going to rescue you. And so they're trying to obey God, follow God. And what is Pharaoh doing? He's making it harder. Do you know why you struggle at times? Do you know why your plans go south at times? Do you know why things don't work out for you at times? Satan. And his men, his army, his demons. And here's why. You see, as you move towards Jesus, for some of you, it might be moving to Jesus for salvation. For others, that you're moving closer to Jesus to obey him, like the nation of Israel is trying to do. That you're trying to get closer to Jesus and obey Jesus, but everything seems to be going south. Everything seems to be going down the toilet, and you don't understand why. The reason very well could be that Satan's attacking you. That Satan sees you trying to move closer to Jesus, and he doesn't want that. Satan does not want you obeying God. He does not want you to be moving closer to Jesus. And so when he sees that, he's going to counter that. He's going to attack you. He's going to try to disrupt your plans. He's going to inflict pain on you. He's going to just bring confusion to you, whatever the case may be. And you know what happens then? When things start to go south for you, for me, what do we do? Oh, I must not be in God's will. If I was in God's will, doing what God wanted me to do, then everything would be perfectly fine. Or maybe for the person who is slowly moving towards Jesus for salvation, and they look at their life and go, well, if God was real, then all this stuff wouldn't be happening to me. Maybe God's not real. That's what Satan does. Obedience causes Satan to attack us. You might be struggling because you're trying to obey God. I want you to get this, and I've told you this over the years. Hardships are a part of God's will for your life at times. And sometimes when you are in the middle of a struggle, you're right in the middle of God's will. And I know we don't like the sound of that. And I know it doesn't sound fun, it doesn't sound easy, but it's true. There are times when you're right in the middle of God's will and you're obeying God and His will is for you to struggle at that point. There's going to be a difficulty. 
But Satan is making it harder for you so that you struggle and retreat and walk away from God. Don't retreat. And so one of the reasons that struggles happens in our lives, like it does here at the nation of Israel, is because Satan is attacking to keep you away from obeying God. Let me encourage you. Keep obeying God. Keep moving forward. You go, okay, well, that's one reason why the struggles come up and happen. It's just because Satan attacks us. Well, what's another one? Well, another one is this. A helpless Pharaoh, verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read it to you. We read this. Then the slave drivers and the foremen went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever, wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. The Israelite foremen, appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers, were beaten and harassed. Why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite foremen went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. So how does it seem like God's plan of deliverance is going so far? Not that good, is it? Not good at all. So the slave drivers, they get word from Pharaoh. Don't give them straw. Make their work even harder. And so the slave drivers come the nation of Israel and go, you got to go get your own straw. And you have to make the same number of bricks that you do every single day. You can't make less. And now you can picture this scene in your head because you've all seen movies and TV shows with slave drivers just oppressing slaves. And the, the, the whip is being cracked. People are getting beat up. People are getting yelled at. People are just getting thrown all over the place because they're not working like the slave drivers want them to work. And that is exactly what is being done here. So in your head, you have to ask, well, why? Why is the reason for this hardship? Why hasn't God just delivered them yet? Because that's what he said he was going to do. Why all the pain? And so the Israelite foreman, they go to HR. What do you do when you have a problem at work? You go to human resources. Well, guess who human resources was for the nation of Israel? Pharaoh. They go to Pharaoh himself. Notice verse 15. Then the Israelite foreman went and appealed to Pharaoh. Why have you treated your servants this way? Why, why are you doing this? Why are you treating us so harshly? It's not fair. The fault is not with us. The fault is with your people, the Egyptians. They're not getting any straw for us. So what do you want us to do? And so I love Pharaoh's response. He goes, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. Like, seriously? No, you're just lazy. Get back to work. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing this with you right now. I don't want to hear it. So once again, I'm going to ask you this. Why the struggle? Why the pain? Because Moses showed up with God and his message. God's going to deliver us. God's going to de deliver you. He's going to take you out of Egypt. That's the plan. Well, it's been a couple days. And everything has just gone down the hill. So why? Why the pain? Why the depression? God, I thought you cared about us. And now we're just getting beaten. Why the issues? 
Here's why. Israel had issues because they looked for help in all the wrong places. Just like you. Just like me. You see, the reason that you and I have struggles and issues in our lives at times is that we go to the wrong person for help. Did you know that? Moses showed up and said, God is concerned for you and knows what's going on. And they worship God in light of that. And so when issues arise, do they go to God for help? No. Who did they appeal to? Did they appeal to God? No. They appealed to Pharaoh. I wonder if things would have been a little bit different if they went to the Lord in prayer instead of going to Pharaoh. Because here's what you and I do. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You have problems at work. Where do you go? Your boss. Right? Problems at school. Where do you go? The principal. Problems with your neighbor, where do you go? City council, you go to the police, something along those lines. We go to those people. You have health problems, where do you go? Doctors. You have problems, where do you go? Your spouse, right? I'm not saying we don't use those people or we don't go to those people for help. What I'm telling you is this. When we go to other people for help before we go to God, you're appealing to the wrong person. What you're telling God is simply this. God, I don't want your help. I don't think you will help me. I don't think you can help me. And so I'm going to go to somebody else and see if they'll help me. Maybe you're the person. Long, day, long days, things are difficult. And you don't turn to somebody else for help. You just turn to drugs, alcohol, mindless scrolling on the internet, binge eating to help you get you through those issues. Once again, you're appealing to the wrong thing. See, Israel had issues because they didn't go to God for help. They literally went to Pharaoh. Who is your help? Like, when you have issues arise, who is the first person you go to? Now, am I telling you that your spouse cannot be a helper? No. Am I saying a doctor can't help you? Am I telling you the police or a principal or your boss can't help you? No. There are second and third options. The first option should be your help. Right? I was reminded of these two verses this week. Psalm 46, verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Listen, an ever-present help in trouble. So when you have troubles and issues, who's your ever-present help? It's God. But where do we go to? I'm going to go on Facebook and see what other people are saying. Maybe I, maybe I could find help there. Okay, well, sorry, God. I'd rather go to Facebook for help than you. Why do we do that? And then Psalm 121, verses 1 to 2. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hill. Where does my help come from? Boss. Spouse, YouTube, alcohol. No, he goes, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And one of the reasons we have struggles and difficulties arise in our lives is because we're seeking out help from the wrong person. I just told you 
that Pharaoh is an image, a picture of Satan in the scripture. That Satan is behind the scenes of Pharaoh and what he's doing here. So who did the nation of Israel actually go to for help? Can you connect the dots? They actually went to Satan for help. They went to the person that Satan wanted them to go to for help. Do you ever go to the wrong person for help? But yet, it might be the person that Satan, Satan wanted you to go to for help. And so the point in is this, is that we ignore the Lord and his help, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. And so when troubles arise and difficulties arise, the first person we should go to for help is the Lord because he is an ever-present help in trouble. He is our help and allow him to guide us. And so these struggles and these issues are coming up because Satan is attacking them. And they're running to the wrong person for help. And things just seem to be getting worse and worse. And then we come to this one. And this one, I, I like this one. Complain before you pray. Verses 19 to 21. This was, this was a good one. Let me read it to you. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told, you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. That sounds like a fun meeting, doesn't it? I can feel Moses in this verse. Well, these few verses. I can feel his heart. Because I've been in that spot. So get the picture. The Israelites have just gone to Pharaoh for help, not God. They left the meeting knowing that things aren't going to improve. And so they found Moses. What does that tell us? When you find something, what does it normally mean? You are what? Looking. You're looking for something. So these men were actually looking for Moses and Aaron. And you want to know why? They have a bone to pick with Moses. Have you ever been in that place where you have a bone to pick with somebody? It's okay. I know you're in church. You don't want to admit it. It's okay. We've all been there. We've all been there where we've, we've had a bone to pick with somebody. Where things aren't going your way. Things are hard. And you think the reason that everything that is happening or is taking place or the reason for the struggle is all because of what that person did or did not do. We've all been there. Leadership, I know that. So they find Moses and what do they do? They laid into Moses. Do you ever go to work and your boss lays into you as soon as you get there? I've been there. It only happened once, though. I've been there. You ever get home and your spouse lays into you? Or your kids lay into you? You walk outside and the neighbor lays into you because of the cats? Right? Sorry, you may not have cats around your house. I do. And they're not mine. But that's another story. Right? We've all been in that position where somebody has laid into us for one reason or another. Maybe you've been the person that gave the tongue lashing or as well. But I want you to notice what they say to Moses. They say, Moses, 
May the Lord look upon you and judge you. Moses, you've made us a stench in the nostrils of Pharaoh, and you've put a sword in their hand to kill us. Do you hear what they're saying to Moses? Moses, you showed up and everything got bad. Everything got difficult. Everything got hard. You showed up and all of a sudden Pharaoh doesn't like us anymore and he's treating us lower than an animal. Really? Pharaoh was doing that before Moses showed up. Moses hasn't done any of that thing. But what do these men do? They complain. They complain about Moses and they complain to Moses. Do they go to the Lord? I'm going to wait on this one. Do they go to the Lord? No. They don't. They complain. Question for you. Have you ever complained? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on that this morning. Because if you said you've never complained, we'd have to have some pastoral counseling going on, right? We've all complained. Some of you are complaining now. He's still preaching? Yes, I'm still preaching, right? These things happen. We still got time. We still got 45 minutes. It's okay, right? Uh, we complain. We are people that complain all the time about different things. We complain when it's 72 degrees. We complain when it's 80 degrees. We complain all the time. It's who we are. It's what we do. My second question to you is this. How often do you complain about someone or something before you pray about it. Ooh. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want to answer that one. Pastor, it's so much easier to complain before I pray. Oh, I, tr- I know. Trust me. Ask my wife when I'm driving a car. It, uh, these things happen, right? We complain and we never even think about praying about them. But here's what you need to understand. Complaining causes issues in your life. Did you know that? Because here's what happens when you complain about things instead of praying about them. As you complain about things, you build images, you build thoughts, you build pictures and emotions of things in your mind and in your heart. And once those emotions... Once those thoughts, once those pictures are in your brain and in your heart, it's very hard to get rid of them, even if they're false. Very hard to get rid of them. What you actually have to do is you have to rewire your brain and you have to replace those thoughts and the emotions and those feelings and those pictures with other things. And it takes a really long time to do. That's the psychology stuff. I told you early on, I was a psychology major a long time ago. But that's what happens. And so as we complain, we're actually building these emotions and these thoughts that stay with us, that causes issues for us. And then sooner or later, those emotions, those words, those feelings get let out on someone else. But what if you went to the Lord and talked to him about things instead of complaining? Because you know what happens when you go to the Lord and pray about something? As you're praying to God about something, you're actually processing things. You're not just holding on to things, but you're actually processing things. And you're working through things with God. 
and letting the feelings out. Do you ever notice that if you start complaining early on in the morning, you're miserable for the rest of your day? Have you noticed that? I have, and I know I'm not the only one because I turned 43 yesterday, and so I know that I'm not the only one that when you start complaining early on in the morning, you're miserable for the rest of the day. You just set yourself up and caused issues. Now, what if you prayed about that in the morning? Maybe things would have been better. Maybe you wouldn't have built up that bitterness and that anger within you that day. Because that's what complaining does. It feeds bitterness and anger. And so complaining without prayer first causes issues for you. But do you know that complaining also causes issues for others? They blame Moses for everything. Did you get that here? Moses, this is all your fault. Question for you. Has Moses done anything that God has not wanted him to do yet? No. Moses is obeying God fully right here. And they blame him for everything. Do you realize that as you and I complain to others about what they have done or what they are doing, it actually might just be you yelling at them and complaining to them about something and all they're doing is obeying God? Do you ever realize that? That what that person is doing is actually what God is asking them to do? And you're complaining to them about it. You're yelling to them about it. You're laying into them about it. And that person's just obeying God. There have been many times in my life, in my ministry, where I've prayed about things, a lot of prayer about things. And I've moved in obedience to what God was asking me to do, leading me to do. And people have yelled at me and complained at me about what I did. And I'm pretty sure it's happened to you as well, maybe. Now, if a person is obeying God and they have someone else lay into them, do you think it goes well for that person? No, not at all. It stays with them. Our complaining before praying causes issues for us and someone else who just might be obeying God. And you have absolutely no idea how much they prayed about that situation, what they're doing. And so the struggles are real for the nation of Israel. Satan's attacking them. They're not going to the Lord for help. And they're just complaining. Complaining about everything and even complaining about the person who's obeying God. That happens to you and I as well. So what is Moses going to do about this? Well, verses 22 and 23, forgetful Moses Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people, and you have not rescued your people at all. And you know what I hate? Chapter 6 is the same conversation where God's going to respond to what Moses just said, but that's next week. We're told that Moses returned to the Lord. What does that mean? Moses was faced with an issue. He went to God. 
in prayer. The exact opposite of what the nation of Israel did. And Moses sets this example for us a lot in the scriptures. That when something comes up, he goes right to the Lord about it. He's not perfect, but he sets that example. He goes and he prays and he talks to the Lord about everything. But get what Moses says here. He goes, Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is this why you sent me? What is Moses doing in those words? He's doubting. He's going, Lord, are you sure you want me to be doing this? Am I the one, like, really? You still want me to be doing this? Things aren't working out very well. Things aren't going good. Am I really the one you want for this? Maybe you want somebody else. Moses is saying, did you know that you could cause someone to doubt God's will, to doubt what God is calling them to do, and cause them to walk away from what God is asking them to do? Did you know that you and I could do that? The power of the tongue. Israel does that with Moses all the time. You'll see Moses. He didn't get to the point going, I'm fed up with these people. All they do is complain and yell at me and tell me they want to go back to Egypt. Lord, just kill me now. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Because I don't want to do this anymore. We do that. But that's not what causes the issues here for Moses. He goes on to say, Lord, ever since I came, Pharaoh has brought trouble on your people, and you have not rescued them. What is Moses saying? God, where are you? Moses, every, God, everything's going down the toilet. Things aren't working out. You're not doing what you said. People are still sick. People are still suffering. People are still struggling. There's hardships. There's difficulties. There's pain. There's confusion. God, where are you? What are you doing? Why haven't you rescued your people yet? Moses has issues. He has a struggle. And you want to know why? It's the same reason that you and I have struggles and pains and doubt and discouragement. Moses forgot the word of God. That's why he has issues right now. Because what has God told Moses at least twice so far in this? Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt. And you're going to rescue my people. But Pharaoh is not going to let the people go. Moses, Pharaoh is going to harden his heart. He's not going to let the people go. He's not going to let them go until I kill his firstborn. God told him that up front. And what has Moses done? He's completely forgot about it. He has forgot that God told him that it was going to be hard, that it was going to be a process. And because of that, Moses is struggling. Struggles come in your life because you forget the word of God. You forget what God has said in his word. We run through life thinking things are going to be great and wonderful. All because we went to church. Maybe we read the Bible during the week. And so we think everything's going to be great. But do you forget the promises that Jesus has made in the Gospels? He goes, you will be persecuted because of my name. Do any of you have that on your mirror? You have that sticky note anywhere, a word of encouragement where Jesus goes, you will be persecuted. Nope, I don't have it on my, I don't even have it underlined in my Bible, right? But we forget that. 
Oh no, I got persecuted because of Jesus. The world's going to end. God doesn't love me anymore. Look, Jesus told you it was going to happen. What does Jesus say later on in John? Because you're going to have tribulation in this world. You're going to have trouble. You live in a world that is filled with sin and broken people. Of course, trouble is going to come. And we go, hardships came. The struggle is real today. God must have forgotten about me. No, you forgot that Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You've forgotten that. I forget that at times. And because we forget what God's word says, the struggles come up in our lives and we struggle with them. Friends, your plans might be broken. They might be different than you thought. You might be struggling with things. There might be issues going on in your life and you're sitting back going, why? It could be that Satan is seeing you moving closer to Jesus and he doesn't want that, so he's going to attack you. To keep you away, to keep you farther from Christ. Maybe the struggles that are coming up in your life, the difficulties and the lack of wisdom and discernment that you have right now is because you're going to somebody other than God for help. That you're not even coming to him for help. Maybe the struggles are happening in your life because all you're doing is complaining about the situations instead of praying about the situations. Maybe the struggles are there. Maybe the difficulties are there because you've forgotten what God has told you in his word. Just like Moses, just like the nation of Israel. But in all of that, I will tell you this, and it's the same thing I told my Bible study group on Tuesday night. Two of my favorite words in the scriptures, but God. I'm struggling, but God. There's a war, but God. Electricity was turned off, but God. Work is hard, but God. Money is tight, but God. And what I mean by that is that in all of that, God is working. And we get in a point where we think, when we see our plans are broken and we think that God is not working. No, God is the author of life. And he's taking all the brokenness or what we think is brokenness and he's bringing it all together. And I'm not going to say everything is going to be smooth sailing for that. I'm not going to promise you that, but I will talk, promise you this, that in Christ, God's always with you. And that he is working in those situations. So yes, you may be in a struggle. But in that struggle, in that difficulty right now in your life, I can tell you, but God is still there and God is still working. Because that's what we see in the nation of Israel here in Exodus chapter 5. Everything seems to be going wrong for all of them. And God's going, I'm still here. I know what I'm doing. I'm working. I got this. And the same is for you and I. Be encouraged that your broken plans might just be God's best plans. And allow him to work in that. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Father, I pray that you would work today. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord God. 
Lord, help us to know that you're working within the struggles and the difficulties that we all face, that we all go through. We pray that you'd meet us where we are, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.